Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman, and today is part two of my conversation with Dr. Dick Schwartz. Dr. Schwartz is the mind behind an incredibly interesting and effective therapeutic model called Internal Family Systems. The last 10 years, it's really been at the forefront of conversations around how we understand our internal working model. In the first part of this, Dr. Schwartz is explaining internal family systems and using a real-time example by helping me work through this with regard to my parts. Specifically, we talked about anger and a different way for me to approach moments where I'm feeling angry. I want to set boundaries, but I want to have the kind of communication with my child where it's not overtaken by anger, something we can certainly relate to. And now this next part of this conversation is about integrating the internal family systems model into your general approach to parenting, how it might impact kids who are highly sensitive, how it might impact kids going through a current experience that could be perceived as trauma, such as bullying, such that it is navigated with the support and understanding that will help kids move through the experience, but not have it become an ongoing trauma experience. If you enjoy this episode, please don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and write a little review. And for follow-up questions, just DM me on at Raising Good Human Podcast on Instagram. And of course, sign up for my bulletin, draliza.bulletin.com for weekly and more newsletters. And now we're going to get right back into this conversation with Dr. Schwartz. When you're talking to your kids, like you're ta- I'm talking to a teenager, is there room to say, let's look at these feelings you're having in a new way? Yeah. Let's think about these parts with you so that you too can as you're wiring, not at my ripe old age, but as you're in the process of becoming you, recognize these things early so they're, they don't need to live sort of in these different hidden spots. Very much. And, you know, when we're working, like if, if I was working with you and your daughter, you know, we focused on you just now. But then I would go to your daughter and what happens inside of you when your mom comes from that angry place? 
and we would do a piece of work with her, maybe if it was safe in your presence, or mm -hmm. if not, then separate. And we would find all the parts of her that, that get so triggered. And and so it's it's sort of like that. And then once each of you know your parts better, mm -hmm. then you come back together and speak in this different way for them, but not from them. And if she would listen to you as you tried to help her do that, that's fine. But many 13-year-olds won't. And they, they need a third party who can help them right. do that. You know, my kid's famous line was, get out of here with that part shit, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no question when I, it, it, any script I've used, my kids are like, don't, oh, psychologist us. <laughs> And when they're really mad, they're like, don't do the professional parent thing. And I'm like, oh, they know that's the worst thing that <laughs> they, they could that possibly say. That's yeah. right. It's funny because I, you know, I also think that a universal parent feeling is that sense of, of like, you get enraged at the thought that there is no understanding of how much you've already done or how, yeah. you know, and I wonder how how much of that is a defense? Like, I don't feel like I did enough today. And so I need to now tell me and you how much I've done. And then I feel so ashamed of making you feel like you had to experience being told that your parents, maybe this is not universal, maybe this is just me. But I do find that a lot of these feelings cycle through that could really use just a moment of, okay, where is this? What's this coming from? And how can I just, I love the idea of instead of speaking from that, mm -hmm. it's to that. Was that yeah. the phrase that you used? Speak for it. For that. Yeah. Thank you. From um, this other place. Yeah. It really does make a difference. And it's really hard, especially in the beginning. Because we're so, as you described, we're so used to blending with these parts and letting them go or giving our warnings and then letting yes. <laughs> let them go. That it's taken me quite a while to, to really do this. And, and it also takes, in many cases, more than just what we did. So we yeah. would, you know, get to know that angry part. But at some point, I would have asked what it was protecting. And usually there's a very vulnerable part that your daughter is triggering. And until you heal... And by heal, I mean get out of where it's stuck in the past and help it unload its feelings until that heals and that and you're not so vulnerable. It's really hard for that angry part to not automatically react. Can that be the case with just repeated experiences as a kid versus of yeah. just feeling unseen? Absolutely. Yeah. Versus it's, like versus uh, some big trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know, I'll, if we had done it, I would have had you ask, you might have seen yourself as a girl, a little girl, mm -hmm. ask that little girl what happened in the past to make her feel this way. And you might not see a specific scene. You might just see many paper cuts, you know, many different experiences from your parents of not being seen. And at some point, I would say, I'd like you now to go into be with her in those scenes, in that time period, in the way she needed somebody. 
and you'd be able to do that and and maybe even stand up for her to your parents back in the in those scenes and tell your parents for her that they should have seen her and and then we would have you take her out of that time and bring her to your house there and you would begin to take care of her and we could unload all the unseen feelings whatever they were from that came from the, that time and then we could bring in that little red angry guy to see that he doesn't have to protect her in the way he thought and he could relax too more so that's the way it works now if you were drawing a picture of this internal family system you probably have drawn many pictures mm-hmm. <laughs> of this internal family system what we call mapping yeah that that mapping which i have not done but i have had the fantasy that i'm going to do how does it look in in real people like am i walking around with a bunch of little people inside of me they know their spots they have a comfortable room they get together for meals sometimes different parts meet each other and they're like look let's have coffee and work through this and we'll go back to our spaces but like self it runs the show is that do i have like a whole fantasy life going on for this that is in any way capturing anything well it's for me it's not fantasy i mean that's really the way it is in there oh that, okay so it's not so far far off from the i Okay. No, no, but what you described is a fairly harmonious inner system. Yeah, sorry, that's my goal system. Yeah, that's the idea. So there are four goals in IFS. One is, we've talked about liberating these parts from their extreme roles to be who they're designed to be. The second is also we've talked about having them come to trust you, yourself, as a leader in there. So they don't have to jump in and, and speak you know, yell at your kid. They can trust you to speak for them. And then the third goal is to have them get to know each other in the way you're describing and work work together rather than battle each other all the time. And when you can do that, you feel much more unitary. You don't feel like you even have parts a lot of the time because they're just doing their jobs and they're not standing out. And there's a lot of harmony inside. And then the fourth goal is to live in the outside world with this, with the other three goals happening. So to live much more a self-led life with all your interactions. So you feel integrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't disappear. They're just not. They're just not standing out because they're in their naturally valuable states. And when they're not standing out, you're not walking through the earth terrified that one of them is going to get discovered in the wrong place at the wrong time. Exactly right. You don't worry that they're just going to explode spontaneously right. because of some trigger that's going to happen. You, When you have a bunch of exiles, you feel much more delicate and the world seems a lot more dangerous because anything could trigger it. And you just don't know when that's going to happen. And Okay, this is... So helpful, right? This just even picturing that visual for parents who have kids who are, there are so many different labels, but let's call them orchid kids. 
mm-hmm. or highly sensitive kids or deeply mm-hmm. feeling kids or any of the different descriptions that if you have a kid like this or you are a person like this, you know mm-hmm. exactly what it is. But for everybody else, it's super confusing. Mm-hmm. Is there a relationship between those kind of orchid kids who need a little bit more specific sunlight, water, and soil mm-hmm. in order to thrive? Like, is that a way to understand, like, they're moving through the earth with more potential triggers for those parts Yeah, because they're more porous? What's the way of understanding that so that if you do have that experience, you can best support those kids or that person that you are? Yeah. You know, my wife would qualify as a highly sensitive person who grew up in a, in a family that wasn't and suffered for that. And I've learned that because she, she feels things so deeply, you know, I really need to stay inside. She's been a great teacher for me, actually. We've all heard, I'd even grow this question a little bit to say, you know, the child who's told, what's, why the drama? Why the dramatic reaction all the time? Which is is what she got constantly. And then you start to question, what's wrong with me? Yeah, like there's something wrong with those parts because somehow they feel things too much. That's right. And they're making too much of a, too much noise. Yeah. So I guess if you notice that in your child, being closer to communicating with yourself, not with yourself, with self, Mm -hmm. in that clear, compassionate, creative, Mm -hmm. I'm not remembering all the eight C's. Confident. Confident. Courageous. Yes. Connected. Yeah. Clear. That will benefit that orchid kid. Versus thinking, I just, if I keep on letting them know that they cannot feel the world so sensitively because they just won't survive, that is not going to grow their strength. That's not building that orchid up. Yeah. And, you know, as a parent, you see how sensitive they are and you have an impulse to try and protect them or help them protect themselves in the world. But you don't really know that they have this self also who can do that. And so one of the things I try to bring is this awareness that, yeah, they're very sensitive and that's very valuable, that they they feel so deeply and that they can tell. Like my wife has an amazing ability to read people and to know who's a good person to associate with and who's not. And I, I'm clueless. You know, I just, if anybody's interested in helping with IFS, they're in. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so. There are many really valuable qualities that highly sensitive people have, and they also have a self, and that self can protect them. And as they find that, then your job as a parent isn't to toughen them up, which translates into exile all their sensitivity. Your job as a parent is to help them find ways when they do get hurt or because they're going to to go to rather than lock away the parts that are hurt and embrace those parts and love them from self which actually then they can in the in the moment unload the feeling that of hurt that came in from that episode so 
you know, that's what I, we're trying to do this in schools. We're bringing it to, you know, when a kid gets bullied in school. Yeah, let's talk about than, that. Yeah, rather than just move on, you know, let it go. Don't think about it. Let's go to the part that got hurt and felt so rejected and, and beaten. Let's go to it and let's embrace it and listen to it and hear what that was like for it. And in the the act of doing that, of going to rather than trying to get away from, the part heals. And then you don't wind up traumatized by quote unquote traumatizing events. So traumatizing events aren't traumatizing per se. It's the way you relate, the way you relate to your parts, the way you relate to your inner system that creates trauma. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I actually would love for people to hear this because it's so empowering that that our relationships with our kids and with ourselves are can buffer the effects of the events in our lives that might otherwise the story is trauma. That's exactly and it right. doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be and that that's so powerful to me that's like oh something we can control ourselves that's exactly right yeah, trauma so is can not you talk more about that trauma is not traumatizing per se it's the impact it has on your inner system that creates the trauma and and to to heal you often can't do it by yourself. You really need someone to help you find those parts and go to them, particularly in our culture, because you know we've really been socialized to not do that. So that's a lot of the work I do is with people who've been horribly, horribly traumatized, and yet they can heal when they actually go to the parts that are stuck in those terrible places, and we get them out of there. So... What's what's interesting is that often when kids experience something, one of the first questions parents ask is, will they be traumatized from this? Right. Did I traumatize them? That's Did right. this event traumatize them? So what I'd love to hear from you are some of the things that we can say in those moments when we're afraid that we have traumatized our kids. So some repair mm-hmm. support. And when we are afraid that they've experienced something that is in the category of trauma. Let's use bullying as an example, that in fact, there are things that we can do to be present, to be there for them so that it doesn't grow into a traumatizing event. Exactly. So if your kid comes home and tells you they've been bullied, first, you're going to notice you you have this horrible reaction because we've all been so scared to think now the damage is done. There's not much that can be done about it. So you have to work with your parts that are going to overreact because that overreaction is going to teach your kid how to react to their parts. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So if you can stay in self and you can listen to what it was like for your kid to have that happen and encourage your kid to actually go to the parts that were so felt so powerless and humiliated and for your kid to listen to those parts and and know it's safe to disclose disclose that to you and and have you react in a caring loving way and then 
encourage, you know, or, or an IFS therapist or somebody encourages your kid to do that inside also to those parts that felt that, then the bullying will have no impact. I wouldn't even say that. The bullying actually becomes something that strengthens the system because the parts come to trust that they can feel all that and you as a parent are going to stay with them and the, the kid's self is going to stay with them. And that's the best way to prepare the kid for life. And what you just described is now that's resilience is built being built in that moment. And so when people... I kept, I kept trying to think of that word. Yeah. Yeah. It's resilience. Exactly. It really feels like sometimes the most well-meaning of us think that building resilience in that moment means suck it up. You've got through this. You're good. You're stronger for it. But really letting you experience the feelings mm-hmm. so that you can come out of it knowing that you have that support is what's building the resilience. And knowing that it's just you you did survive the feeling. Yeah. And again, for me, it's all literal. So going to the part that's frozen in that trauma scene, that bullying scene, and getting that little guy out of there. And, and having him now live with you so he can unload all those feelings, all of that is literally creating resilience, yeah. And, and the resilience comes in the next episode any, that's like that in any way. The kid knows what to do, knows how to let it go, not in the American way of just move on and lock away these feelings. Uh-huh. Knows to go to the feelings and help the parts that carry the feelings unload them because they know they're not, you know, even though they felt rejected by this kid, they know self loves them. They know the parent loves them. So that was a moment in time of rejection from one person instead of I am not worthy. Exactly. And because we try to lock away the I am not worthy, it's still there in the background in, in our unconscious and colors all of our actions thereafter, even though we try our best to, to get a lot of accolades to counter those feelings and strive and all the things we do to make ourselves feel worthy. It's still in there. And as long as it's in there, you're going to have to do things to counter it. But if instead you can go to it and love it and help it unload, the worthlessness, then all your protectors can relax. And those protectors could end up being maladaptive things that are maladaptive characters mm-hmm. that are like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make you feel better because we're going to drink, or yeah. I'm going to make this feel better because so they're not that the, like, don't be fooled by the word protector. That's right. Because it's not necessarily in the best interest of self. Well, it's in the or best. It? It, these protectors are trying their best. They do it. They're doing what they right. they know to do to get you higher than the shame or to get you distracted from it. Right. They don't know what else to do but to to get you drunk, and they're they're doing their best. So we come to them with that kind of honoring and listening, and we get you're trying to protect. But there is this alternative. If you let us unload the shame and in this other way, you you won't have to be the drinking part. You can do something entirely different. And it doesn't 
it's so wild because my whole self, as we're having this conversation, I'm like, there is a party going on inside of me. <laughs> and it's like, there's something very, you know, once you allow yourself the space to imagine those conversations and those parts, it's quite liberating. But you could, I can see a world where I wouldn't want to because I'm like, am I losing my mind? <laughs> and so, but it's so, yeah. And some people still have that initial reaction, yeah. Also, it feels so much less alone. Yeah. Yeah, you're literally not alone because you've got this whole family inside, this tribe that's there with you all the time. When they did the movie Inside Out, did they come to see you? No, I was amazed because it's so accurate. And I contacted them, and they did say if they do a sequel that they'll they'll ask me to help. So It's, my, it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Me too. <laughs> As an adult, I feel strongly that it is one of the great movies. But it really reminds me of, of embracing this world yeah. that is inside of us instead of thinking like, I'm not only not embracing it, but is something wrong with me for distinguishing all of, you know, like these characters inside of me. Right. And because when I first learned about IFS, I thought, well, that's for dissociative personality disorders. <laughs> like, I don't even need to understand what that is because it's not in my realm of work or thinking. But then I was so fascinated. And then it started to seem like it made sense, but it was a process of walking through yeah. the, you know, I wonder, have you found that? Totally. That's what I've been up against my whole career is the idea that if you have these parts, it means you're crazy. It means you have dissociative identity disorder, what used to be called multiple personality disorder, and that that you hear voices and that you're, you know, that that. I don't get that nearly as much as I did in the beginning. I got that all the time. And for me, people with those diagnoses are just one end of the spectrum of what we all are. Because of the horrific trauma they suffered over and over, their system blew apart more than ours. And so there are these amnesic barriers between the parts, and the parts are very extreme, but they're still parts. They're not alters, quote unquote. They're not you know, something bizarre. And I've worked with many people with that diagnosis with the model. And they have a self too. The amazing thing is the self that I'm talking about can't be damaged and knows how to heal. And it's in everybody. And it's just beneath the surface of these parts such that when they, as was the case with you, when they open a little space, you're right there. Yeah, that's the, the biggest discovery of IFS. I have a parts mapping exercise that I do believe is in this book, No Bad Parts, that, and also by Sounds True, and also there's a audio kind of class called Greater Than the Sum of the Parts through Sounds mm -hmm. True, where you get the audio version, or, or the, the book could have the audio, audio version. And so there are a number of exercises that are designed to help people get to know their parts and get started on changing their relationship with them. And one of those is mapping. Again, does it's, it's not for people who have a problem necessarily, right. but it can right. be. But, right. but this is also just, this is just a way to explore 
your humanity and get in touch with how to parent in a way that supports your whole self. Exactly. So if you can love all of your parts inside, then you can love your kid no matter what, no matter how they show up. But if you can't do that, then you can't do that for your kid. And loving your child for all the parts they show up with exactly. is, I mean, goals. Yeah. You know, which doesn't mean you let their parts go run rampant. That's such a good point. And, you know, and you mentioned it earlier, especially, you know, if you have these protector parts that believe that part of that is we won't set boundaries because I don't want this other part to mm. hurt, you right. know, to, I, I don't want you to feel unloved or unwanted or unseen. Yeah. And so the challenge is, I don't want to shame you and shaming you somehow giving you a bedtime or having you take a shower gets confused as shaming. That's right. That's um, right. So I'd love for you to address that. Yeah. Well, it turns out that what I'm calling self, you know, three of those C words are courage, clarity, and confidence. And so you can lead with those qualities of self and be quite forceful in setting a limit on your kid but your kid will also feel the compassion that's still there while you do it. And they won't feel shamed about their behavior, even though their part did something very extreme. In your head, you know that that part is protecting something else. And so you don't even see that part as bad. You're just wanting it to be contained and not keep doing what it was doing. So you're, you're giving this very clear no, this is not going to work. You're going to have to not do this anymore. But from a very different place than the part of you that's so upset that your kid did this. I'm glad you said that because I do, I think sometimes we have these whole conversations and people's takeaways. Okay, when my child <laughs> bangs their sibling over the head, I'm supposed to just say, I know that you, you know, your heart was angry and had a need that was not met and now it was met and I love you and so I understand and that's not what you're saying that's not what I'm saying at all <laughs> um, no, and that's really important because that can get so confusing for everyone it is terribly important so the compassion it understands why it happened right but the courageous parent whose self is speaking not the very angry part that's about to then clobber their own kid for clobbering their other kid right. is is going to be able to both love them and say, get your hands off your sibling. That's exactly right. Totally right. The last thing anybody wants to do is silence parts that need to be able to feel seen and heard. And yet it can be con completely confused in this yeah. high pressure world of parenting and then all of a sudden you have parents who are like, ah, now I don't know what to do. And I definitely feel like that was not okay. But I, you know, we do this so gently in this house and there's just, it's so confused. And so right. it's unfair to parents. Like you still get to, you still get to trust that your role as a parent is to parent and make sure that those boundaries exist. Yeah. Because it's safer for everybody. Yeah. And 
So you set that firm, forceful boundary, but from a place of compassion. And then ideally, you're also giving, it's maybe at a different time, you're giving the message to your kid who was beating up his sibling that it's okay to tell you what's really going on and that you're open to that, that you want to know what it, what happened that made him attack his sibling. So I think a very beautiful lesson I got from my children many years ago was they were having a fight. And one of them was three and one was six. And my six-year-old came into my room and she cried and she was really worried because she had had a really vicious thought about her Mm -hmm. baby sister that she was Mm -hmm. stupid. Mm -hmm. And she said she was worried God was going to punish her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, And I said, well, first of all, I don't even know where she got that from because that that's not our, right. There's nothing, no judgment, but we're not. Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't in our, it's not in our family. Yeah. Yes. So I said to her, I understand that when you have mean thoughts, you, you could think like, Oh my God, I don't want anybody to hear this. So, and I said, and I can't really explain God to you. I think what she was talking about were parts, but Mm -hmm. she said, I said, I can't really explain God to you, but I can tell you that thinking mean thoughts, you could think any, everybody has mean thoughts. These are going to happen constantly. And how you act on those thoughts is really important, but having them, I'm so glad you told me because I, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like if every time I had a mean thought, I thought that I was in trouble with God or anybody else. Like what Mm -hmm. a horrible feeling. And she was, she just started crying. She was so relieved. I'll have to get her permission or I won't be able to share this part, but she's now 15, but she was so relieved. And I just thought, oh my God, kids are so magical that like they're creating stories all the time to explain their world. And here she explained in her world that when she has very natural thoughts and feelings, that it was so wrong that she was in a, you know, she was so worried just for what was going on inside of her. And it was such a great lesson to me to always make it clear that what happens inside of you is never, there's nothing wrong with any of it. That's right. If you can do that with yourself, then you can do that with your kids. And if you can't do that with yourself, if you do think there are these evil thoughts, then you're going to convey that to your kid as well. Right. And I haven't done that with myself. That's why this no bad parts thing is so important. You know what? That is so when my, beautiful. When my brother was born, I'm the oldest of six boys, and yeah. Wow. Yeah, and my brother came along when I was two and a half, and my mother tells the story of watching me. I have a truck, and I'm running the truck over this little doll, and I'm saying, "Take that, baby," while she's nursing my brother, <laughs> and my, my mother says, "What's that? Ba- what's that baby's name, Dickie?" And I say, st, which his name is Stephen. And then I catch myself. And I said, stumpy, stumpy stew, mommy. And, and that's, that was like a big joke in the family. And then the other line was that after Stephen was born, I didn't hug or kiss my mother again until I left for college, which when I told oh. that to my wife, scared the hell out of her about what kind of attachment issues I have. 
<laughs> but it was because, you know, in retrospect, I, I felt like, oh, my God, I really can carry a grudge. But in retrospect, when I've seen my mother, she's dead now, but our little, our little grandkids were acting out. She would have this huge overreaction and would say, I don't want to see them until they can behave, and, you know. And so I, I think she had a huge reaction to my reaction to my brother. And I just said, oh, that's, she's not safe. Yeah. So, and then did you, and then your wife could see that part and feel a little bit more hopeful for it you took too. A while. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while for her to see that I've done a lot of work on that. In those parts. Oh, there's so much that happens when we're little. Yeah. I don't, I, but I really hope this is inspiring and not like depleting of people's energy and thinking like, oh my God, there's so much damage we can do. But really, I think there's so much beautiful work to do. And it doesn't mean that you have to get rid of any of the swirlings of feelings that you might think are problematic. Yeah. I mean, the messages that I maybe can leave with are two. One is it's so important for all of us as parents to do our own work. And second is we will do damage. You can't not do damage. And it's all reparable. Yes. There's nothing permanent. Thank you for saying that too. I wonder if we could leave with one repair suggestion. Like, let's say I, we can go back to my daughter and I, whenever it was yesterday. Now the moment has passed, but I can still go to her and acknowledge that moment. That's right. So in terms of our conversation so far and, and the work we did with your parts, what might you say? How might you say it? I might say that I want to address what happened yesterday because I got really angry and I got angry that I was angry because I don't like when yeah. I left. Yeah. And I, I will help you out because actually the, the parts language really helps. Oh, thank you. So if you, if you could just say a part of me really got angry and took over and then another part of me attacked me for having done that, some version of that. So a part of me got angry and then another part of me was angry at the part of me that got angry. That's right. And both of those parts were taking over. And so I did not get to address you and us in the way that I wanted to. Perfect. And I'm really sorry. And I'm going to keep working on that. And I'm going to keep working on that. And luckily, I'll have another chance probably every day. I can't tell you what a special experience this has been for me. Well, I've really enjoyed it too. You ask really great questions. and. You got a lot out of me that I didn't expect to, to have getting out. And I finally was like, you know what? I don't understand. <laughs> and now I feel like it's so clear. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.